Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Today we are talking about autoimmune disease. And notice we're just going to jump right in. Sometimes I will tell you a funny story or talk to you more about me so you can get to learn to know me a little bit better. Today we're just jumping right in and talking about autoimmune disease because honestly, this is something that I see quite frequently in my office. Now, when we talk about autoimmune disease, we're talking things like MS, um, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's disease, fibromyalgia, Sjogren's disease. I mean, honestly, there are hundreds of different autoimmune diseases. Lupus, another one. These are kind of the more common ones. But autoimmune disease is basically... The short story of it is your body's attacking itself. Your body thinks that a part of your body is an invader, and so it starts attacking itself. Like in the example of Hashimoto's disease, your body thinks your thyroid is an invader, and it starts to attack it. And a lot of times, we will use medication to help manage symptoms There isn't necessarily a cure for autoimmune disease. It's more of managing symptoms. Um, Crohn's, that's another one we see quite often in our office. And when it comes to autoimmune disease, there actually are some things that we can do to help from a nutrition standpoint. So as you know, we own a, um, and when I say we, my husband and I own a outpatient nutrition practice. And one of the things that we specialize in is medical nutrition therapy. Medical nutrition therapy is basically a therapeutic approach to addressing medical conditions with nutrition. Now, we also do weight management. We also do sports nutrition and eating disorders. Uh, But what we highly focus on and what we're skilled in is medical nutrition therapy. So things like diabetes, high cholesterol, heart disease, hypertension, you know, these are all the common things that we think of, how nutrition can help. But honestly, over the past five or six years, I have seen more and more autoimmune disease than I have ever had before. I went to a conference a couple years ago about autoimmune disease because of the frequency that I'm seeing clients with this condition. And, you know, it was interesting They mentioned for autoimmune disease, there's usually an initiator and an activator. So there's an initiator, something that predisposes you, and then there's an activator, something that actually turns on the autoimmune disease. So initiators can look like a couple different things. They can look like um, genetics, having a family member with autoimmune. I see that quite frequently. It could also be a virus or an illness. Um, And so people will have, you know, 
this predisposition, again, mostly in my office, I see it more with a genetic link. And then all of a sudden something will happen. Something will activate or turn on the disease in their body. Uh, This can be, again, a virus. It can be low vitamin D levels. I'll be honest with you, I just went and got some lab work done and I was devastated to find out that my vitamin D levels were low. I feel like I do all the things. I eat foods high in vitamin D. I am outside every day in the sun without sunscreen, not for long periods of time, but enough to get vitamin D and my levels were still low. So now I'm taking a supplement and seeing if I can improve those numbers, but It just goes to show more and more people are vitamin D deficient. And for some people, not all, it can be an activator to turning on autoimmune disease. So I highly, highly recommend if you have autoimmune disease or if you have family members with autoimmune or you haven't had blood work done in a while, go find out what your vitamin D levels are. For people that already have an autoimmune disease, the likelihood that you can acquire another autoimmune disease is higher than in somebody who doesn't have it at all. So if you may be thinking, well, I already have one. What does it matter what my vitamin D levels are? Get them checked because you don't want to acquire another one. These aren't necessarily fun conditions to have. You know, there's a lot of pain involved and discomfort and un you know, uncomfortable symptoms, we'll say that. So there's no reason to turn on more if you know that you can get your levels checked and potentially supplement to get you out of that zone. So anyway, um, I'm trying to think where I started now. So with autoimmune disease, again, there's an initiator. A lot of times it's genetic, sometimes it's viral. And then there's an activator, something that turns the autoimmune disease on in your body. It's important to know that even though you are predisposed, you have that initiator, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are automatically going to struggle with an autoimmune disease. It can lay dormant in your body forever until something turns it on. So that's why it's important to understand what's going on in your body. Uh, Again, routine blood work, lab work, you know, going and getting physicals, talking to your doctor. These are all really important things because if we can catch things early enough, we can intervene, um, most likely maybe even with some lifestyle changes before going the medicinal route. Sometimes medicine is the only thing that's going to be helpful. And if that's the direction you need to go, okay, that's fine. I'm here to talk to you today about how we can use food to help autoimmune disease. So I told you autoimmune is your body attacking itself. Your body is not performing the way it should. And so there are different things. Like I said, we went through Crohn's disease or Hashimoto or rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, all of those things. Your body is not functioning the way we would like it to. And sometimes it can have a food, uh, I don't want to say food foundation, but it could be that specific foods are exasperating your symptoms. So when we talk about food 
intolerances. Because in this particular case, we're talking about food intolerances, not food allergies, food intolerances. A lot of times there's confusion over the two. So a food allergy is actually something that can be detected at an allergist office, whether it's a blood test or it's a scratch test. Your body is is responding in a way that an allergist can detect that there is a true food allergy and you are not allowed to eat this food. For some people, they'll break out in hives. For others, it's you know anaphylactic in nature where they need an EpiPen. We're not talking about food allergies today. We're going to talk about food intolerances. And a food intolerance is not going to show up on a blood test. So let me repeat that right now. Food intolerances will not show up on a blood test. So this is your public service announcements right now. Please do not waste your money paying for bogus blood tests that promise you that they can detect food intolerances. There is no research that supports that any of the tests that are out there presently are accurate. And so what will happen is you will spend a lot of money because they're not covered by insurance. You will spend a lot of money trying to get information that potentially is untrue. The gold standard for identifying food intolerances or food sensitivities is to actually take the food out of your system for a finite time and then reintroduce it to see if your symptoms reappear. That's it. It's free. (laughs) It's fairly easy to do. And it will give you exactly the information you're looking for. So just a quick side note, please do not spend your money on tests that are not accurate. All right. But today we're going to talk about food intolerances and how they play a role in autoimmune disease. Because again, food can be a catalyst to the reason why you don't feel well. I actually had a lady that I worked with a couple months ago who was struggling with Hashimoto's and um, felt horrible. Couldn't even get off the couch. Felt horrible. And she was taking medications and, and then she was diagnosed with diabetes. And it, it, was, it was a mess. She, I just, my heart broke for her because she was not living her best life when she was, you know, can't get off the couch for almost two years. And so I asked her, I'm like, well, would you be willing to, you know, just see if there's a potential food sensitivity or food intolerance? And at first she was reluctant because she had her favorites. But at the same time, she was in such a low spot in terms of how she felt and, and living that she was desperate to try to figure it out. And, and I'm happy and proud to report we did. We did figure it out. So let's talk a little bit about food intolerances. I keep saying that and then I give you a side story, but I'm going to come back to it right now. What does a food reaction look like? So there's actually about 15 different ways a food reaction can look like in your body. So first of all, gastrointestinal symptoms. So things like a stomach ache, heartburn, nausea, constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating, 
or even undigested food particles in your stool. All right. So I know that's pretty broad. You know, those symptoms can be a result of many different things, not necessarily a food intolerance. Um, You know, you have a, you had bad shrimp the night before and now you have diarrhea the next day. So I guess I should have preempted this part of the podcast with a lot of these symptoms could be caused by other things, but I'm just letting you know, they could also be a food reaction. Okay. So something to pay attention to. Um, Mood issues, things like mood swings, feeling depressed, not being able to handle stress, increased anxiety. It could also be a food reaction. Increased mucus production, so increased phlegm, runny nose, post-nasal drip. It could be a cold or it could also be a food reaction. Aches and pains, specifically in your muscles, your joints, tendons, or ligaments. A lot of times, the clients, especially with autoimmune disease, will note joint pain. And again, foods could be contributing to that. Food cravings, specifically for sugar or fat, or an intense desire for caffeine, could also be a food reaction. Reduced energy, fatigue, energy dips in the afternoon. Pica, this is when you crave minerals from non-food items like clay, chalk, dirt, or sand. Dizziness, lightheadedness could also be a food reaction. Changes in skin, rashes, acne, dry skin, little pink bumps or spots, dry hair and nails could be a food reaction. Sneezing, itchy eyes or itchy mouth, almost like a histamine response can be a food reaction. Coughing or an increased need to clear your throat. I actually had a client that I worked with. She was always clearing her throat. Uh, Found out she had a dairy intolerance. The minute she removed it from her diet, she felt better. She's like, I just always assumed it was some allergen in the air. She had a lot of, you know, mold and environmental allergies that she dealt with seasonally, but she said the cough was year round, no matter what the pollen count was, or no matter where she was at inside, outside. So that kind of tipped us off as, hey, maybe there's an underlying condition going on here. And we found out for her that was dairy. Headaches can also be a symptom of food reactions, you know, ranging from a mild headache to even uh, migraine level. And then finally, trouble sleeping, either falling asleep or staying asleep, um, or just not, you know, you may get plenty of sleep, but not feeling rested when you wake up in the morning. So from this list, I guess the next question is, is, do you experience any of this? You know, do you experience one of these? Do you experience five of these? Do you experience 15 of these? Where do you fall in this? Could it be a food reaction? And this is where working with a dietitian can be extremely helpful because we have a lot of education and knowledge and background into what foods could potentially cause 
food reactions rather than just start taking everything out of your diet, which would leave you angry and starving. That's not what we want to do here. Um, There's actually systemized ways that we can go about doing this to eliminate specific foods that could potentially cause a problem. And then in a, again, in a systemized way, reintroduce them to see if those symptoms return. So I tend to recommend taking foods out of your diet for three to six weeks uh, to fully see if there's an issue for you. If you take it out for a week or two, what'll happen is, is you'll think you'll feel better and then you'll reintroduce the food and you'll be like, ah, I don't know. Maybe I feel better. Maybe I don't. It's hard to tell. I want for you, when you reintroduce the food, to have 100% certainty whether or not that was an issue for you. So the longer we take the food out of your system, the louder the bark when we reintroduce it. I want you to be like, oh my goodness, yes, with 100% certainty, this food gives me an issue because all of those uncomfortable symptoms like joint pain or fatigue or all 15 of those things that we just mentioned will come coming back, will come back to you pretty quickly and pretty intensely. And so just because you have one of the things doesn't mean you're going to get all 15 when you reintroduce the food. It's usually whatever you struggled with before will come back and be pretty apparent. So I always recommend if you suspect a food reaction, we want to take that food out for about a minimum of three weeks, a maximum of six weeks, no reason to do more than that, and then reintroduce it. So again, I'm going to put a plug out there for working with a registered dietitian because I've worked with many people who have suspected food intolerances and they've done a great job of taking things out, but then they get confused about how to add them back in. And I had a lady I was working with the other week and she suspected a food intolerance So she tried to do some reading online and she was trying to take some foods out, but then she got confused. And so then she just started adding everything back in and then she had absolutely no clue what was the problem food. So it's important if you suspect something, you can either take one thing out at a time and reintroduce it, or you can take out more than one thing at a time. But just know the more things you take out, the harder it's going to be because the diet's going to be a lot more restrictive. And for me personally, I would much rather you take out one thing at a time and reintroduce it and actually adhere to, we'll call it the diet. So let's say you suspect dairy. We'll use that example of dairy. I'd rather you take dairy out and be able to actually follow it for three weeks than try to take out dairy and soy and gluten nightshades and nuts and eggs and all the foods and give up after day four. That's not helpful. There's a lot of diets out there. Whole30, you're probably familiar with this one. The whole premise of Whole30 was to identify food intolerances. Yeah, the whole book, if you read the book, most people did not read the book. They just, you know, went right to the back and said, how do I do the diet? Because I know somebody that lost weight on it. (laughs) That's the reason why most people do Whole30. Um, But the whole premise behind Whole30 is, you know, if we take the food out for 30 days, 
and then you reintroduce it, you'll know if you have a food intolerance. But most people, they do the 30-day challenge. They take the foods out. They're so hungry and miserable by the end of day 30 that they just put all the foods right back in. And I'm like, you're missing the whole point. The whole point of taking the foods out of your diet was to identify what food, if any, gives your body problems. Throwing it all back in at the end of 30 days, that it's basically that work you did for those four weeks was all for nothing. So just like the elimination phase is important, the reintroduction phase is even more important. So again, if you suspect a food intolerance, and again, we went through all of the potential symptoms that you may experience, if you have one, you want to take it out and then slowly reintroduce foods one at a time. Think about when you introduce foods to a baby, right? If you have had children or have fed children, you know, when you first introduce food, you do things one at a time. You give them peaches, and then you don't give them peaches for a couple days because you look to see, is there any rashes? Is the child having any trouble breathing? And if after three days all is clear, then you add another food. Next you try pears. And you just one at a time start adding foods to make sure that there are no problems. It's the same thing when you're testing food reactions. Don't take too many things out and then get overwhelmed and just add them all back in you've just lost all the hard work. All right, guys. So if you are struggling with an autoimmune disease and you haven't talked to a dietitian yet, what are you waiting for? We are trained in medical nutrition therapy and we are here to help. And at Body Metrics, we have such a talented team. And when I say talented, you know, I cannot say enough about the people I work with. I am so honored Uh, to be part of such a strong team. But not only are the dietitians I work with a wealth of knowledge, you know, we have college professors on our staff. We have specialists in so many different areas. And I just, I love all the wealth of information that they bring to the table. But seriously, you guys, you will be hard pressed to meet people that care as deeply as they do. Uh, I was just having a conversation with one of our dietitians the other day, and you know we were just we were talking about a client that we had both seen, and you know we just we love these people, we love them so much, and we want the best for them to the point where we're doing all this extra research, we're following up, we're going above and beyond because you know we just want our clients to feel better, and there's no reason to suffer by yourself. Not when there's people out there that want to help. And, you know, and if it gets to be a point where we're unable to help you, we'll let you know that. I think that's really important because sometimes, you know, we want to be able to solve everything, but we don't have all the answers all the time. And that's why we work as a team approach. We have lots of dietitians on staff that can come and bring a fresh perspective. So, You know, I think that's one of the benefits of working with a team. You don't have just one of us. You have all 10 of us at your disposal. And so, again, if you're struggling with autoimmune or you have questions or you want to know more about how to, you know, 
reintroduce foods or the right way to take them out or what foods to take out, we would be happy to help you. And so the easiest way to contact us is probably go online. Our website is bodymetricshealth.com. And we're also on social media. So Body Metrics Health is our handle. Uh, or you can call the office. And, um, and we'll be happy to set you up with somebody that can help you and help you feel better. So, all right. You guys, you need your recipe. That's all I have today for autoimmune disease. Let's move on to the recipe because I know that's one of your favorite parts. So today is a Wild West rice salad. And this actually comes from the cookbook Run Fast, Eat Slow by Shailene Flanagan and Elise Kopecki. Shailene Flanagan is an Olympic marathon runner. So um, there's a lot of great healthy endurance recipes in this cookbook that are going to help you feel fueled for a long time. Um, yeah, just some really great recipes. So for this recipe, you're going to need, uh, one cup of wild rice. You're going to need a double batch of a creamy apple cider vinaigrette dressing, which I'm going to give you in a second, six radishes diced, three cups of loosely packed, finely chopped kale with the stems removed, three carrots grated, six scallions with the white and the green parts thinly sliced, one cup of frozen shelled edamame, and you're going to go ahead and cook that according to the package directions, and some black pepper. So for this recipe, you're going to bring four cups of water to a boil in a large saucepan, and then go ahead and add the rice, reduce the heat, cover, and simmer until the grains are soft and chewy, about 35 to 40 minutes. Now a tip for when you're cooking rice for salads, it's best to slightly undercook the grain so that way you can maintain a chewy al dente texture that will hold up to the dressing. So whenever you cook, um, or even like pasta salad or rice salads, anytime you're cooking a grain that's going to have a sauce or a dressing, it's always a good idea to undercook it just a little bit so it doesn't get mushy. Once you cook the rice, go ahead and drain it, transfer it to a large salad bowl, and immediately toss it with half the dressing. Hold on, I'll give you the dressing recipe in a little bit. Once you allow that rice to cool, then you can go ahead and add the radishes, the kale, the carrots, the scallions, and the edamame, and go ahead and toss until combined. And then if you wish, you can add a little bit more of the dressing. You can season with salt and pepper. And the key here is let that salad marinate in the fridge for at least 30 minutes, just so all those flavors can come together. Um, sometimes if I serve it too quickly, it it's just, it's not as good. Like, you know, those recipes that are so much better the second day, this is one of them. You got to let it sit for a little bit. All right, here's your recipe for the apple cider vinaigrette. And again, we're going to double this, um, because we're making dinner salads. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the double version. So you're going to need two thirds cup of olive oil, a half a cup of apple cider vinegar, two tablespoons of Dijon mustard, one shallot minced, a half a teaspoon of sea salt, and a half a teaspoon of black pepper. And this is such a basic vinaigrette. I use this a lot for salads. 
uh, not just this rice salad recipe, but other salads, go ahead and throw all those ingredients into a mason jar and shake vigorously until it's combined. That Dijon mustard is a critical piece because it acts as an emulsifier. Uh, so it combines the oil and vinegar together so it doesn't separate. And then you can go ahead and store that dressing in your fridge for up to a week. Uh, but you may use a good deal of that when you're making this rice salad, especially if you're going to add a little extra before serving. So there you have it. There is your recipe for the week. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, I hope I'm able to answer some of your questions. Uh, specifically, again, what do food reactions look like? How do they differ from food allergies? It's really important to know because, again, we want you to feel your best. And you know your body better than anybody else. So if something feels off, talk about it. Talk to somebody. And if that person doesn't listen, go find another person. And, you know, whether you're working with us at Body Metrics or you're working with another dietitian, uh, just know there are people out there that care tremendously for you and want the best for you. And um, yeah, I think that's it. All right, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.